Turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. How good it feels in the house of the Lord tonight. I am excited for all that God is doing. For all that God is doing. In Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 12 beginning at verse 1. Sorry, I'm doing some pastoring right now as well. Let me just tell you, you ought to just let tomorrow worry about itself. Church is always the safest option. You come to church, you lift up your voice. You get in the presence of God and you let God work out the rest. Genesis 12.1 Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. I will bless thee. And make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. The Lord said to Abram, verse 1, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Unto a land that I will show thee. I want to preach tonight about the call. The call. In Jesus' name. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for all that you're doing. God, we pray right now that you would move in this house in a mighty way. I thank you for all that you are doing, God. I thank you for every soul that is here. God, I thank you for this great congregation. This great congregation of believers. This great con uh, congregation of disciples and converts. 
God, we pray that your will would be done tonight as we respond to your word. We pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way. Your wonders to perform. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't you lift your voice tonight and say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can be seated tonight. There is liberty in the house of the Lord tonight. I feel liberty is a part. Let me just back up. I don't just feel it. I know. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And God's Spirit is here. But I feel an extra boost of the Holy Ghost here tonight. God wants to empower someone tonight. In fact, God wants to empower every one of us tonight. So you just ought to just get ready. Okay? You ought to just get ready. And you ought to just preach with me like the building is on fire. You ready? Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 lets us know that there was a man by the name of Abram. He is a man from the city of Ur of the Chaldees. The English Standard Version says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. We need to understand that we know what would happen to Abram in the future. On this side of history, Looking back, we see an aged man. We see an aged couple who step out in faith. And in our minds, we simply see him. And perhaps, perhaps I'm speaking too generally tonight. Maybe you don't see him this way. But in my mind, I see Abram and Sarai as just a Bedouin couple. What does that mean, pastor? Just sheep herders. Desert sheep herders. That live in tents, but they're blessed. And, and we know that they are blessed. We know that they have massive flocks and massive herds. And we see later on through their history where they have a standing army of servants uh, who they have trained for warfare. And they have the weapons to equip them for said warfare. And, and, and we see them in the future as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when God called him, he did not call him Abraham, but he called Abram and Sarai. And at the time, Abram was living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. Now, we don't spend a lot of time focusing on where we were at when God called us. But we're going to spend some time tonight. Because I want y'all to understand where Abram was when God called him. You see, we have this image in our minds of, of just... I'm just going to preach it like I feel it, okay? We have this image in our minds that God can do it for somebody else. 
We've got this image in our mind that, that God did it for brother so-and-so and, and God did it for sister so-and-so and God delivered them and God delivered her and God delivered him and, and it's great and I love it and I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for my brother. I'm glad for my sister. But somehow, some way, we lose sight of the fact that if God did it once, he'll do it again. If God did it before, God is well able to do it again. I come to remind us again tonight that our opening text was from the book of Genesis, from the very book of beginnings. I need somebody to understand tonight that the law of first mention applies to our story tonight. It applies to the record of Abram and Sarai time of the calling they lived in Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees was once a seaport on the Persian Gulf at the mouth of the Euphrates River. We're going to slow down and build a little foundation here tonight, but please don't, understand, please don't misunderstand. I, I am preaching even right now. Twelve miles from Iridu, which according to traditional historians, Iridu is the traditional site of the Garden of Eden. And it is supposed, it is believed that Abram lived 12 miles from where the Garden of Eden was situated. It was a city that predated the flood. Yes, it was destroyed by the flood and it was rebuilt. Just before the time of Abraham, it was the most magnificent city in all the world. It was a center of manufacturer, manufacturing. It was a center of farming and shipping. It, it was situated in a land of fabulous fertility. It was situated in a position where they gained great wealth. There were caravans going in every direction to distant lands. There were ships that were sailing from the docks of Ur down through the Persian Gulf with cargoes of copper and stone. About the time of Abraham, the city of Ur of the Chaldees was eclipsed by a greater city by the name of Babylon. However, Ur of the Chaldees remained an important city down to the Persian period. By which time the Gulf, by the time of the Persian period, the Gulf had receded, the Euphrates River had changed its course, running 10 miles in a different direction than it was in Abraham's day. Ur was abandoned to be buried by the sandstorms of the desert. However, the ruins of Ur, along with a number of cities, one upon another. Abraham's city is near the bottom when it was discovered by an archaeological group from the University Museum of Pennsylvania and the British Museum in a joint expedition. They worked in this, this discovered ruins from 1922 to 1934. You say, well, that, that's, that's a long time ago. The, the old part of this building was built around 1920. I mean, that's old, but that's... Elder, you weren't even alive then. The Bible is not make-believe. 
Archaeological evidence proves that Ur of the Chaldees existed. And down through the layers of sediment, it was discovered that Abraham really did live there. There were mounds that they discovered. The original city was approximately two miles long, northwest, southeast, and about a half mile wide. Remnants of a surrounding wall were found to be 70 feet thick. This sanctuary is 54 feet wide and 84 feet long. If we were to remove the platform and say, that we were comparing it to the size of the thickness of the walls. The wall that ran around that city would be from this front portion of this altar to the back wall. No wonder ancient cities had chariot races on top. We think of a wall, we think of two by fours and two by sixes and maybe a dual layer of stone to make it a couple of feet wide, but 70 feet wide. Even before modern warfare. 80 feet tall. The wall up until 1934 had been traced to be two and a half miles long. The sacred area of the city of Ur of the Chaldees was occupied by temples and palaces. It was surrounded by an inner wall that was 400 yards by 200 yards. The archaeologists worked on excavating Ur for 12 years, 12 seasons rather, the seasons each lasting four to five months throughout the winter months with some 12, I'm sorry, some 200 workmen each season. Every square inch was explored. They found in the city of Ur a ziggurat or a temple tower. It was patterned after the tower of Babel. It is now the tallest mound, and in Abraham's day, it was the most conspicuous building in the city. We're skipping through some notes here. The tower, as Abraham saw it, would have been square. It would have been terraced. It would have been built of solid brick with successive layers, successive terraces with trees and shrubbery. But at the top of the sanctuary, or at the top there would have been a sanctuary to the moon god, I'm talking about where Abram was called from. He wasn't some backwoods hillbilly. As they were excavating the sacred area, they found two main temples that would have been there in Abraham's day. The one was to the moon god Nanar who was also literally, I'm not making this up, literally another name for Nanar was Sin. They literally worshipped Sin. And the moon goddess, Ninar, I'm sorry, Ningal, also called many other names throughout Babylonia, one of which was Ninah after whom the ancient city of Nineveh was named. Her most common name in Babylonia 
was Ishtar. She was the deification of sexual passion. Her worship required a lack of morality. Sacred prostitution was a universal custom among her sanctuaries. I'm preaching tonight about where God called Abram from. Within the excavated temples were found a complex of tunnels and shrines and small rooms and living quarters for priests, priestesses, and attendants. That's a nice word for temple prostitutes. There were chambers for private seductive entertainment they called worship in the name of their religion. I'm preaching tonight about where God called Abram from. Along with, I'm preaching, please hear me tonight. I'm preaching about, it wasn't just a call for Abram. It was a call for Abram, but he had a wife named Sarai. And along with the temple prostitutes, it was customary and it was required for every maid, every maid, every wife, and every widow to officiate worship in those temples, and in that manner, at least once in their lifetime. The word maid denotes a young lady who is a virgin. So young ladies, wives, and widows, all were forced to participate preaching tonight about the place where the call was heard. These were the deities that were worshipped by the family of Abraham. And this was the religious climate of Ur. In one tomb, listen to this, it sounds crazy from this vantage point, but let's, let's step outside of our American religious mindset right now and think about the environment that Abram was living in and Sarai was living in. Now, we'll get to, we'll get to their participation here in a moment, but think about it with me tonight in one of the tombs that they excavated from 1922 to 1934. They came across the bones of a queen. How did they know she was a queen? She was wearing a golden crown. She was wearing another headdress. There was a great profusion of beads and necklaces, ornaments of gold and silver and semi-precious stones. They found cups. They found plates. They found saucers. They found toilet boxes. They found paint cups. A golden heart. Well, great. Good for her. She died with a fat bank account. They also found the bones of 40 court servants who had been sacrificed at her burial. There was an endless variety of copper, bronze, stone, and flint implements that the 40 who were sacrificed were supposed to be able to use to serve the queen in the next world. 
along with a chariot and the bones of, we presume, a horse that were still harnessed to it. Go on, queen. We'll see you on the other side. That's the political climate. That's the political environment from which Abraham was called. They also found a section of residential homes, shops, schools, and chapels. Inside these, they found thousands of stone tablets. We're preaching about the place from which Abraham was called. Thousands of stone tablets. They found business documents. They found contracts. They found receipts. They found hymns. They found prayers written out. They found houses that were built of brick. They were two-story, built of brick. They were even with the street level, and they had courtyards on the interior. Abraham was not called from some backside of the desert somewhere. Abraham was not called from some society of the podunk. Abraham was not called from the first church of hillbillies are us. Abraham was called from a culture and a religious climate that was well developed, although inaccurate. He was called from a city that had it going on. He was called from a city that was wealthy beyond belief, but sick and twisted to the core. And that's the place that we find Abram. We don't find Abram being called as he swallows Isaac in his arms, but we find him having lived there for 75 years, and for 75 years, the culture has tried to wrap itself around his mind. The culture has tried to ingrain within his very being. The culture has tried to knit itself into him. Then, Abram Hears. What's that? He's 12 miles from Eden. Joshua chapter 24. Verses 1 through 3. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. This is not the place from which Abraham was called. But Joshua said unto the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood. In old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Abram's daddy was an idolater. But yet in the middle of all of that, I come to preach to somebody whose family is messed up. I come to preach to somebody tonight whose family is busted, whose family is broken. And by all physical rights and by everything that your mind tells you, you can never be anything for God. I come to preach to somebody tonight. Abraham's daddy was an idolater and Abram still heard the call of God. 
come to tell you it matters little to God what your mama did. It matters little to God who your daddy was. What matters to God is when I call, how will you respond? When I call, how will you respond? I'm not preaching to us tonight about the place where we find Abraham and he's there with Isaac and he's got his hand laid upon Isaac. I'm not preaching about Abraham on Mount Moriah. We're thankful for that. I'm preaching about a daddy that before he was ever a daddy and I'm talking 25 years, baby, before he ever had his first son. I'm talking to you tonight about a man who said when I'm living in absolute twisted hell, when I'm living in a culture that is anti-God, I still want to hear the call. One Bible handbook says there are legends of Abraham being persecuted as a child for refusing to participate in the idolatry. If that's true, 75 years culture pounded on him. For 75 years, culture beat into his mind. If you're going to be anything for God, you can't do it here. And if you're going to be anything in this life, if you're going to be anything in this world, you got to join this club. If you're going to be anything in this world, you got to throw away those morals, Abram. If you're going to be anything in this world, if you're going to be anything in this culture, you got to get rid of your high-minded thinking. Abraham, you really think you're better than everybody else? Abraham, do you really this? Abraham, do you really that? Or Abram, do you this? Abram, do you that? For 75 years, he lived for a God he had never heard from. Ur was a city that predated the flood. What do historians believe? How, how in the world could Abram know of this God? He lived, supposedly lived 12 miles from where the Garden of Eden was, but the Garden of Eden was gone. He had never walked in the Garden of Eden. He had, as far as we know, never saw the site where the Garden of Eden had been. How in the world could this have happened? Well, we understand that the city of Ur predated the flood, and so it is quite possible. We preached about it the other night, how Methuselah, the son of Enoch, was the longest living man. We preached about the window of mercy. If you, didn't, if you weren't here for that, you need to hear what God said to the church. We understand that the, the, the year that Methuselah died, the window of mercy closed, and there was the flood. After this, the deluge. After this, damnation. After this, the judgment. We understand that. But we also understand that on that ark was Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives. And we understand that when they got off the ark, they were commissioned by God to go reestablish places of life. They were commissioned by God to go exalt their dominion of over the, the, the world again. And so many historians believe that Shem made his way to Ur. 
and the lives of Shem, the life of Noah, and the life of Abraham overlapped. Could it be that Abram had a buddy named Shem? Why did they live so long in the Bible? God wanted them elder. I want you to pass it on to the men and the women that are going to be instrumental in establishing my kingdom in the earth. I want you to live long enough where you can tell them. You can't send them an email. You can't record a video. But if I let you live long enough, you can tell them. And so historians believe that it's, it's quite possible that Shem and Abram knew each other and that Abram befriended Shem and that Shem began to tell him of everything that Methuselah had told them as they were building the ark and everything that Abram uh, or everything that Noah had told uh, Methuselah and Methuselah had told Noah and everything. And we know that Adam's life and Methuselah's life inter, uh, interjected and intersected and overlapped. And so it's very possible that Adam had told Methuselah. Methuselah had told Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and Shem told Abram. How else could we describe it? How else could we know? No doubt Abram had a personal experience with God, but for 75 years, for 75 years, the, the culture of Ur, of the Chaldees, is beating on him. Hey, if you want to be cool, you got to do this. If you want to be cool, you got to go there. Hey, you got to go down to the temple with us. There's nothing wrong with it. This is just how we worship our God. This is just what we do. This is expected of us. Hey, did you see that girl over there? Hey, did you see that temple prostitute over there? I'm telling you right now, it sounds a whole lot like 2023's culture. Where you've got access to Ishtar at the push of a button. You've got access. Oh, don't you get tight on me right now. you got access to Ishtar at the push of a remote. At the keystroke. you got access to Ishtar floating her stuff. And floating his stuff. Saying, step into my private chamber. And let's have us a worship session. That's the kind of atmosphere that Abram was living in when God called him. And I'm preaching tonight because that's the kind of atmosphere in which we live in 2023. But in the midst of all of that, God is calling. God's calling a generation. And he's wanting to know from this generation, is this a generation that will seek my face? So we find from the midst of an idolatrous and financially successful and sophisticated and educated city that God calls Abram. Abram was cultured. Context matters. How much different would this story be if God called Abram while Abram was living in the middle of a desert, eating bugs off the bottom of cactus, drinking camel's milk, I don't know, maybe it's good, eating horse steak and octopus. I'm sorry, that's culture. Eating sand fleas, locusts, and wild honey. 
How much different would the story be? If Abram had been a beggar on the side of the road with his little cup, that's not the culture that God called Abram from. If that were the case, Sister Janice, we would say, man, he had nothing to lose. But it's quite possible, Sister V, Abram was rolling in the dough. Later, when he gets to Haran, after he leaves Ur of the Chaldees, newsflash, spoiler alert. The Bible says when he leaves Haran, he leaves with a host of servants that he's gathered. And so, in our own carnal minds, the story would be more relatable and easier to swallow and easier to understand if Abram had nothing to lose. Sister Kim, what if he heard wrong? He's leaving behind wealth. He's leaving behind culture. He's leaving behind high society. He's leaving behind the biggest, most bad city on the place, on the, on the face of the planet. Something was stirring in the heart of a now old man for 75 years culture has beat on his door idolatry has beat on his door give us your wife give us your wife give us your wife if you're going to worship like everybody else worships you got to give me your wife let me humiliate you let me dominate you. Hell has not changed tactics. And in the midst of all of that, I can imagine Abram walking in to the house. Two stories. Brick. Street level. He had it better than two of the three little pigs. They weren't going to huff and puff and blow his house down. He's living inside the safety of a 70 foot thick stone wall. Living in paradise. The mouth of the Euphrates River on the banks of the Persian Gulf. It's paradise. It's the fertile crescent. And God said, get out of this place. I don't understand. I, I, that's not how Abram responded. I'm just telling you how we would probably respond, how I would respond. God, but I could do so much here. Do you know how much I could do here? There's so much money here. There's so much financial success and financial wealth. Do you know how many missionaries I could support from this location? Send somebody else. I'll just fund the mission. God, I'm living in my big house, uh, my two-story house with my courtyard inside. I can sunbathe on the inside of my house and my courtyard and nobody's got to see it. Hallelujah. Living in an oasis next to the Persian Gulf, I can hear the waves lapping against the shore. 
sitting on top of what would be discovered as millions of gallons of crude oil. You understand that's who controls your gas prices now. Your gas prices and our oil come largely from the, the area around the Persian Gulf where Abram lived. Have you seen Dubai lately? Just pay your tithe. You really mean to tell me I got to leave this place? Where am I going? You just got to follow. You just got to get out. I'm preaching tonight that God did not call Abram from a life of misery. But God called Abram from a life of luxury. God called Abram. What are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying God wanted him to be poor? No, that's not what I'm saying. He became one of the most wealthy men in the world, but he did not do it conventionally. God called him out. God called him out of his place of comfort. I want to tell you tonight, some of y'all need to get ready to be blessed, but you can't be blessed until you come out. So we find that from the midst of an idolatrous and financially successful and sophisticated and educated city, God calls Abram. God had already attempted to reach mankind as a whole. This was different. It should come as no surprise. Just 12 miles from Eden. God finds the man through which every family of the earth would be blessed. God calls Abram from Ur of the Chaldees. And with the call of Abram, we see a shift from God trying to reach all of humanity as a whole calling out a single man. It's what we call the dispensation of promise or the dispensation of family. Calls out a single man with whom the whole world would be affected or by whom the whole world would be affected. But it started because God called him out. Many of us want to know where we're going first. Hebrews chapter 11 would tell us that Abraham searched for a city. Searched. He did not have the GPS coordinates. He did not have the longitude and latitude, but he was called out and he said, God, I may not know where I'm going, but as long as you're speaking and as long as you're guiding, I'm going to choose to believe in your word, not knowing whether he went, he obeyed. I'm telling you tonight in this house that God 
is calling. God is calling men. God is calling women. And he wants to know. I don't care where you find yourself. I don't care if your mom and dad are idolatrous. I don't even care if you know your parents. That does not matter to my call. What matters to my call is will you respond? on his way out walks by the sacred area hears the sound of seductive music seductive voices and everything that went with that worship of Ishtar and Anar As he's walking out, he has some with him. Tara, his father. Lot, his nephew. They go out to a place called Haran. And that's as far as Tara wanted to go. And there are some. who will support your call to a point. Well, you can go to that church as long as you don't get too radical. I see you roll across the floor. I'm out. I see you run the aisles. I'll even go with you to Fall Fest. I'll eat the cotton candy, the popcorn. I'll shoot little kids with the archery tag. Scoot over, I'm getting in. Oh, they're about to pray? I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Let me just pause here and pastor, pastor for a minute. When it gets hot and heavy, some of y'all just, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. You got the mouth of an elephant and the bladder of a bumblebee. Gets hot and heavy. I got to go. I mean, hey. I'll go with you to a point. I'll go with you so far. But when it starts getting hot and heavy, I mean, I'm not leaving civilization completely. I got this little thing I want to hang on to. I'm just going, I'll just park it in my... I mean, just ask Rachel. They're leaving Laban's house. And what does she do? They're going back to the house of God. She said, I'm taking my daddy's idols with me. Huh? I'll go with you, Jake, but I'm not going empty-handed. Tara said, I'll go with you. 
for a while. And Abraham's stuck until Terah dies off. Can't go any further. It's the call. It's the call. The Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out. Be carried away with the call. Come away with me. Depart with me. The language indicates almost a, a carrying away. A flowing out of. Almost like God was grabbing him by the hand saying, come away with me. It's nearly like the language that we read in Song of Solomon. I love her. Where are you? Come away with me. Get thee out of thy country. Let me carry you away from this place. Get thee out. Depart. Flow. Bring yourself away from thy country. It's a physical place. Sometimes a change of location is necessary. A change of location was necessary for Abraham to become what God had called him to be. He was separating him from the influences of the idolatry. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. It was a calling away from the comfortable. Calling away from the comfortable. It would have been so much easier for us in our American mindset to relate if it was a calling away from the uncomfortable. But this, this is the way that I've, I've lived. Abram was surrounded by it for 75 years. But Abram, I'm telling you, if you'll come away with me, I'll make of you a great nation. Abram is 75 years old. His wife is 65 years old at this time. They have no children. I will make of thee a great nation. Those four simple English words, and I will make, come from a Hebrew word that means accomplish. If we were to study the cross-references tonight, we would find them in Genesis. In fact, those words, the Hebrew word for accomplish is used over 2,600 times. We are not going to read every cross-reference tonight. But you can find at least seven in the first few chapters of Genesis. Remember the law of first mention. Genesis 1-7, and God made the firmament. Genesis 1-11, the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind. Verse 12, and the tree yielding fruit. There are things that are being accomplished that God did not create in order for the creation to become stagnant. God did not create the creation 
so the creation would become like the fig tree in the New Testament and not bear any fruit. God did not call Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees to make his life miserable. God is not calling us away from our comfortable positions and situations tonight so he can leave us high and dry. But we got to wrap our minds around the fact that God wants you to be more fruitful than you have ever been. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you with spiritual fruit. He wants to bless you with physical fruit. He wants to use you for his kingdom. Let's stand. My goodness, I didn't even make it through two pages. I had nine. Abram, get thee out. Nowhere. Maybe it happened. We just don't see it recorded in Scripture, but Something in me says it didn't happen. An argument. But God, my family's here. God already covered that in the call. Let me ask us tonight, and I, I feel safe asking this because it was implied to Abram. Is God more important than anything else in your world? You don't have to answer. But I want you to sincerely ask yourself. If God called you like God called Abram, what would your response be? He's 75 years old when the call is given. Sarai is 65 years. But she's barren. Coming from a world that revolved around worship the way that we have described tonight. I wonder if godly Sarah questioned the faithfulness of this God her husband had talked about as she walked by the temple to Ishtar. If they're blessed with children and they're ungodly what's wrong with me God imagine with me if Abraham was able to stand where we are tonight stand in this place of time knowing of the formation of the 12 tribes of Israel, 
knowing of their constitution, their law that was given at Sinai that led to their becoming a nation. If he had knowledge of Boaz, Ruth, Obed, Jesse, David, Jesus Christ. Imagine if he would have known about the 12 disciples. If he had known about Pentecost. If he had known about Simon Peter on top of Simon the Tanner's house and having a vision. But he doesn't know about any of those things. He doesn't know about Cornelius for the Pinkerton. All he knows is there was a call that was made. They said, if I listen through me, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But I don't see it right now. I don't feel it right now. I don't know where I'm going. Abram, every place you put your foot, I'll give to you and your descendants. Verse 4, Genesis 12. These three words changed history. So, Abram departed. Potentially even more powerful than the call of God is your response. I want God to speak to me. Maybe He hasn't because you're not ready to respond. commercial break he has spoken to you in his word well I want him to talk to me like Abram do you do you we're fasting in August reminder July 26th we're, we're writing down how many days we're fasting we're putting them on a calendar As important, if not more, than God calling is you answering. If Abram had known from our vantage point what would have happened, it would have taken the element of faith out of the equation. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him because he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Interestingly enough, the exact same word that we read in verse 1 of chapter 12 when God said, get thee out, is the same Hebrew word that translates, so Abram departed. He responded to the call of God exactly as the call came. Get thee out, 
So he went. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles, dwelling in tents. He left a two-story brick house in Ur of the Chaldees to go live in tents. But Abram, out of you is coming the Messiah. Out of you, Abram, is coming a son who will affect every nation. Is it worth the two-story brick? Is it worth the business contracts? Is it worth the documentation and the education and the idolatry? Is it worth it to be used for my glory? Is it worth it? To respond to the call. To feel the weight of glory. To feel the presence of God. To see angels. To sit and have meals with God. Is it worth it? Abram said, I believe it is. So he departed. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city. He said, I left the city, but I'm looking for a city that has foundations. And upon this, all the law and the prophets, this builder and maker is the one who called me. Through faith also, Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was, was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. It had been 25 years, Sister Blaze. She left Ur at 65 years old. Isaac is born when she is 90. He's been faithful. I ask us tonight as we open these altars. God is calling. There is no question. There is no doubt in my mind. God is calling you tonight. How will you respond? I ask you tonight, what are you doing today that will affect humanity for generations to come? Please do not think that you are minuscule or that you are unimportant to the kingdom of God. You can change the world around you. 
you can be involved in changing the world and raising world changers and giant slayers. You are not unimportant. You are part of God's plan. How will you respond to the call? Is it worth temporary discomfort? Abram, I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. How will you respond? I'm coming out. I'm coming out. 